You're listening to the RV Homeschool Podcast, where we make travel educational and fun. Grab your bear spray and your hiking boots as we head to Glacier National Park. Thanks for listening to the RV Homeschool Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Steuben. The RV Homeschool Podcast is your source for traveling the U.S. and Canada with kids in your recreational vehicle. So we cover the sites, the logistics, campgrounds, and educational opportunities. And we focus on the national parks as we are trying to take our elementary-aged girls to all of them and also the camping accommodations that work for a large motorhome everyone in the family to describe Glacier National Parks in just a few words. I would say that Glacier National Park is majestic. Jeremy said that it was epic. Greta said that it had a lot of cool animals. And Elsa reminded us that she almost died there. Um, And that's part of our ice hiking story that I'll get to. But overall, Glacier National Park is called the crown of the continent and that's for a very good reason it is so absolutely beautiful and spectacular and just an awe moment when you get there and your mouth drops and you say wow I can't believe this place we had heard a lot about it we heard people say that and you really you can't understand until you go there just why people love it so much so let's talk a little bit about the location of Glacier National Park. So it is located in Montana. It is in the northwest part of Montana. And so it's not necessarily real accessible to most people across the nation. A lot of times people will fly to a nearby area and then drive over to Glacier and stay at a hotel or maybe try to rent an RV. We did do the drive all the way from Colorado, but it took us a few overnights to get up into the area where Glacier's at. And then, of course, you want to have enough time to spend time there at Glacier. So we waited until we had a good couple of weeks in order to do this trip. We actually threw in a little bit of time at Canada while we were there because you're only about four hours or so from Banff, and that's really worth some time to spend some time there in Canada and Banff and see everything at Lake Louise and everything else. But we'll do another podcast on that. Overall, though, it's a little bit hard to access the area. And of course, you're only able to really go see it for probably three or so months of the summer. So the main road that goes through the park, the going to the sun road is only open really at the end of June. Sometimes it's opened as late as July. This year it was open by the time we went, and I think our trip up there started about July 26th. So it was open in time for us. It's not always open by then. Sometimes it's not till July. Obviously people tend to go in July and then August before school is back in session. And you could go even all the way through September, but then the window's pretty much done. Now you're on winter time, the roads are closed, and it's hard to access this area. So just so you know, that's kind of location and then what you can come to expect in terms of the season that you can go and see Glacier National Park. Glacier is really divided into two parts of the park. So there's the east side and the west side. And we're going to start with the east side just because that happens to be where we started our trip. On the east side, you have St. Mary's Lake, 
and of course access to the going to the sun road that actually goes through all the way to the west side when we came in through the St. Mary's Lake entrance. It was actually so early in the morning, the ranger station wasn't even open. It was, I think about 6.45 in the morning. We came across and started going up the going to the sun road and we're driving along St. Mary's Lake and there was a meadow to the right-hand side within a few minutes and we looked in the meadow and there is a grizzly bear. He is just walking around, picking up rocks and trying to look for stuff to eat underneath. It was amazing. We pulled the car over, our Jeep, and we're just able to watch him for a little while. Then he started coming a little bit closer to the road, and it, it startled us. We kind of drove up a bit, and um, and then as he got a little bit closer, we decided to drive away. So we got to sit there and watch the grizzly with the car running, mind you, for a good probably 10 or 15 minutes just taking pictures and taking it all in. So that was absolutely amazing. We then continued driving up the going to the sun road. There's a lot of places you can stop around St. Mary's Lake and decide to do a hike. There's different falls that you can pass. We wanted to make it all the way up to the Logan Pass Visitor Center though, because we wanted to get started on a hike and we wanted to do that early. Plus, parking at Glacier is really difficult. Um, there's options to take a red Jeep tour. They kind of have like these big bus Jeep things uh, with an open top that you can pay for and then you're taking the tour with them. But of course, you're kind of on their timeline and and set with that. And with little kids, it doesn't always work well. We've found that if we can take our car, I know we're those people that tend to try to take our Jeep. Um, some people also wouldn't feel comfortable driving the going to the Sun Road. I don't think it's anything worse than Trail Ridge Road at Rocky Mountain National Park, which also has some really sharp cutoffs and don't even have guardrails or any sort of barricade against you and that drop. At least at Glacier, they have these little stone walls that kind of go up part of it. So uh, you have a false sense of feeling a little bit secure, but a lot of people wouldn't feel comfortable with driving it. So you can take one of the tours that are provided. There's also a shuttle system, a shuttle bus system that's part of the National Park's um, provided services. So you're able to park down by one of the lodges or one of the area's visitor center and be able to take those shuttle buses up into the park. So that's definitely an option to do. But of course, when you have little kids, sometimes it's hard to be on other timelines and shuttle schedules. So we instead usually opt for getting up really early, getting the kids up and just trying to get up there so that if we want a parking space, we can get that in time. So we did that this morning and probably by about 7.15ish or so, we were at Logan Pass Visitor Center. There was still parking available. Mind you, this is at the end of June. So July and August are much more busy at Glacier National Park and you probably have to even increase that and get there by, you know, seven or six 30, if you want to get one of those parking spaces. So just plan accordingly, because there's going to be more people that time of year, but parking at the Logan pass visitor center, which is right on the continental divide will allow you to hike up to hidden Lake and hidden Lake is phenomenal. It's a great, beautiful view. What was really cool about the time of year when we went at the end of June is that there's still a ton of snow. So we were literally hiking on, on snow um, that was super thick. Um, and actually, even in some places, the hills were steep enough that instead of trying to hike down it, we would just sit down on our coats and kind of sled our way down parts of the mountain. Um, and we did that to hike all the way up to Hidden Lake. When we got up into that area by Hidden Lake where you can see the overview, which took us probably 40 minutes of hiking. 
and that's with the two little kids. We were able to see a ton of mountain goats and they were scaling all over the mountaintops and then they started coming down towards the path where all of us were just hiking around. They are totally unafraid of people. Somebody had mentioned to us, and I don't know if this is true, but somebody had mentioned that the mountain goats actually like to come up to that area and be around the people because they generally know that if there's a lot of people, there's probably not as many bears. The bears don't necessarily want to be around all the other people. And so it might be a little bit safer for the mountain goats to be in that area at that time. So I don't know if that's true. We should have confirmed it with a ranger, but it makes sense. The mountain goats are totally unafraid of humans and they will come down and be right in front of you. And this is a great place if you want to see mountain goats to be able to get some of those great photos. Um, Being the end of June, we were able to see the mountain goat mamas with their babies and they were scaling the mountain and it was just amazing to see these little baby goats just buying and afraid to jump from one little peak of the mountain to another rocky ledge and then they would just jump and make it and be totally fine and they were just incredible. So it was great to watch and see that. By the time we were kind of done sightseeing and checking that all out and started to hike back down the mountain, a ranger was coming up and this was probably, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock and the ranger was asking people to be away from the path and back and go back down. So because the mountain goats were in the area, the rangers were asking people to then vacate the area um, and not be that close to the mountain goats. So another reason to get a good early start is if you want to see some of this wildlife, Um, you just got to get an early start. I think that's the best plan at going to the national parks in general. Um, but for sure at Glacier where it is so busy. So, uh, the other thing to know is to have the proper gear and everything that you need. If you're going to be hiking on ice, we saw some people in flip-flops and they were not getting very far because it was way too icy and slippery and steep. And that just wasn't going to work in that area. After seeing some of those areas, we went back to the visitors center there at Logan Pass and were able to um, learn some information from kind of the infographics that are up there, grab the kids junior ranger packets, things like that. Um, There's some restrooms in that area. There's a little bit for snacks in the visitor center, but not necessarily somewhere to eat that I remember. So be sure to pack some snacks and, and things that you might want. We then headed back down and kind of took our time stopping at different places along St. Mary's Lake and just being able to enjoy the view. Plenty of places to hike around there too, like I mentioned. We then uh, went back to the RV, had some lunch, let our puppy out, and then headed up to Mini Glacier. So the Mini Glacier Lodge Hotel and everything is accessible also from the east side of the park. From the St. Mary's area, you'll actually head north on the highway for a bit and kind of go into the town of Bab, and then you head back into the park. Now, when we headed back into the park to the mini glacier entrance, they were stopping cars and not allowing anybody to come in. By this point in time, it was probably two o'clock in the afternoon, and that parking lot is very small that's there by the hotel. So they pretty much were limiting only people who were guests of the hotel to come in and be able to park there. The ranger told us that it would probably be a few hours and then some park- parking spots would open up and we'd be able to get in there. And um, a lot of people chose not to wait and probably decided to come back the next day earlier in the day. We didn't really have that option because we were heading out the next day. So we decided to just park our car 
by the mini glacier entrance and you can walk down to Lake Sherburn, which is right there. It's this amazing lake. It has that wonderful bluish greenish color that's very typical of the glacier lakes that you have up there. And the girls were able to play around and run in the water for a little bit of time. And we just kind of hiked and looked at water, wildflowers. And then within about a half hour, we could hear cars moving and realize that they were letting people into the entrance. So just so you know, you may not get in through the mini glacier entrance if you're not staying there. So if you really want to get into that area, either go early or go late in the afternoon when it clears up from a lot of the traffic and you have a better chance of getting in there. When we went into the mini glacier area, you can see Swift Current Lake, which is absolutely beautiful. It's that wonderful blue color that is uh, that is typical of the glacier waters. And the reason they have that is because as the glacier ice is kind of pulling down from the mountainside, it's bringing down minerals with it. And those minerals are what are reflecting that bluish green color to our eyes. So um, it's that's kind of why they have it. It's not it's not a clear blue like you have when you're down in the keys and you're looking through the water. It's it's actually pretty cloudy, but it is this amazing bluish green color. And and you see it there, you see it up in Canada as you head to Lake Louise and all the glacier lakes that they have up there as well. But really phenomenal to see. As we were heading up towards Swift Current Lake. Actually, we saw a meadow and there was a moose on the side um, of the road. So we got to see the moose for a while. And then we headed up to the hotel. The hotel is amazing. It was developed before they, when they were still making that kind of a commercial area before all the protections were in for the national parks. So you have this giant hotel that is this brown wood. It looks very much like something you'd expect in the Alps. And then you have Swift Current Lake, which is gorgeous, and these huge majestic peaks off in the distance. And feels very much like you are in Europe, you are in the Alps. And even the hotel staff, the men that were there um, helping park cars and, and stuff like that for the hotel, they were wearing lederhosen. So they really go all out with the theme there. Swift Current Lake is really pretty. You can hike around it. There's um, a number of different trails that you can use. You can, if you want, you can hike all the way out to an actual glacier from this point in time. It's 11 miles to the glacier. And I don't know about your kids, but my kids are usually crying and having fits after one or two miles. So 11 miles was definitely not on our radar. You can use a boat tour to shorten that time. And you can take the boat that goes from Swift Current Lake and it goes up to Josephine Lake, which is the next one up. And for adults, that pricing was $27. For kids, it was $14. And it takes you from the one lake to Josephine Lake. And then you don't have to hike quite as far to get to Grinnell Lake, which is the next lake up. If you hike to Grinnell Lake, you can then hike up to Upper Grinnell Lake. And that's where you're actually at the glacier. Um, And this is what we're talking about with this really long hike. So if you are bound and determined to actually step onto a glacier, this might be one of the more accessible ones from what we could see on the map. Again, we didn't bother going through doing this with the kids because they're just too young for this now. You can also take a naturalist-led hike up to Grinnell Lake. So I think that you take the boat across for part of it, and then you're doing this hike up to Grinnell Lake with the naturalist, and that takes like four hours So that sounds like a cool option too if you wanted to do that. Or you could just um, paddle around and hang out on Swift Current Lake. So they have boats and canoes and kayaks, both single and double kayaks that you can take onto the lake. 
and it's pretty reasonable. I mean, the little rowboats are like 16 bucks an hour. Canoe was $18 an hour and the kayaks uh, for a single it was 15 an hour and for a double it was $18 an hour. So pretty reasonable rates, especially given that we were up at Lake Louise just a few days later and it was $75 an hour to take a kayak out on the lake so or a canoe out on the lake so I just I couldn't believe it so I think that's a pretty reasonable rate you could also do horseback riding so there's different horseback rides depending on how long you want to do it whether you want to go for just an hour or do two hours a half day or a full day and the one hour tours are like $55 and then you can go up to a full day which is $200 to do horseback riding which I also think is not unreasonable if you have the time and the interest in doing that So we'll take a quick break and then we're gonna talk about the west side of Glacier National Park. So the west side of Glacier National Park is equally beautiful. On the east side, you get more of the lake and then you have these huge majestic peaks that come out for your view. On the west side, you also have a lake. You have Lake McDonald, and it's a lot of that same feel. You have the going to the sun road that goes up, and of course it connects the east and west side together and um, beautiful views. You get more of that kind of moist, um, high humidity area over on the west side. So you end up with these cedar trees and you get moss that's growing on the rocks. And that's why you have places like the Trail of the Cedars. Things like that are on the west side of Glacier National Park versus it's a little bit drier. It reminds me more of the Rocky Mountains on the east side of the park. So from the west side, you can head up the going to the sun road, what we went ahead and did was drove all the way up and then kind of worked our way down again. So we could try to get parking at the upper parts before it got too crowded. We drove all the way up to the weeping wall, which is this, this big rock granite slab of the mountain where the water is just kind of pouring down and falling down. And if you drive just a little bit further, there's a bunch of parking in that area and you can park and see the most amazing view of a a huge area of the park. All around you there are waterfalls, so it's this amazing 360 degree view. We could have stayed there all day. It was so phenomenal, and maybe partly because the time of the year that we were there, there were just waterfalls everywhere surrounding us. Um, A little bit of snow too on the upper areas, but just waterfalls everywhere. It was really incredible to see, and there's limited parking up there, so you wanna be sure You're doing that early enough so you can actually get up there and stop and be able to take some pictures and just enjoy it and take it all in. As we drove back down, one of our favorite spots to stop was the Trail of the Cedars. And it took us a couple of times of driving back and forth to be able to find a parking spot because by now, I don't know, it was probably noonish, maybe one o'clock-ish in the afternoon. And so it was pretty busy at Glacier. And we just kind of watched somebody who were, some people who were heading to their car and just stalked them and waited until they got out of their spot so we could park there. But the Trail of the Cedars is so worth it. This is, again, those big giant cedar trees and they're super tall we haven't been to redwoods or anywhere like that yet so for my kids this was just phenomenal to see this area and these giant trees and and all the greenery and how you're totally encompassed underneath this forest and the sun can't even reach you 
and uh, moss is growing everywhere. There were even places where there, the roots of the of the trees are coming out from the ground, and so you can climb underneath it. And the girls just had a lot of fun playing on this area. Plus, this this trail, if you just do the closest part of the trail, it's maybe a mile long, and it's totally wheelchair accessible or stroller accessible. So if you have little ones or you have little ones who want to do the hiking themselves, but they're not going to make it very far. This is a great trail for them. So highly recommend Trail of the Cedars, no matter what your age or the age of your kids, because it's worth seeing. So that's some of the sites, some of the animals, some of the things that we really loved about the park and the places that we saw. So those are the, some of the names and the things to look for. Now let's talk about camping options. So one thing to know about Glacier National Park is it's very busy. It's one of the 10 busiest national parks, despite the fact that it is so far away and it is so hard to get to, and you can really only see it for like two or three months of the summer. Despite all of that, it still gets over 3 million visitors a year. It's very crowded and busy. So that does mean that you'll wanna book early as much as you can, even maybe a year in advance if you can. So um, having said that, though, we decided about six weeks before our trip that we wanted to head up to Glacier and Banff and planned out the whole trip and made it happen. So a few things I want to mention about that. So, of course, people are booking a year in advance and they're getting these spots. And we stayed at the KOA on both the east side, the east side St. Mary's Lake KOA, and then the west side. Glacier KOA. So we stayed on both sides of the parks at the KOAs, which I really wanted to stay at the KOAs, having heard so many good things about them. Um, A lot of people, I'm sure, are booking those a year in advance and getting that set. But here's the one thing that we lucked out with is that apparently, I think it was for the East Glacier KOA, the cancellation date deadline is 60 days prior to your trip. So I know on a lot of the KOAs, you can cancel as late as, you know, 24 hours before your trip's supposed to start. At this one, though, because they are booking so far in advance and there's so few times when people can come, they want to make sure that people are canceling with plenty of time to refill that spot. So I'm pretty sure it was a 60-day window. That might be why five, six weeks before the trip date when we wanted to go, I was able to log in and randomly found two days that would work on the East Glacier, St. Mary's KOA, and we booked those spots right away and um, we're able to get it. I think that somebody just canceled their site and so that helped us take the reservation. So just because you aren't planning this year in advance, you haven't already booked for next summer, don't feel like it's too late. Sometimes you just need to keep checking. And actually what happened for us is we were in Zion at the time. So this was the second week of May and decided that we really wanted to try to make this glacier trip work. And I just started stalking the East Glacier KOA site. And I had been checking for months and nothing had opened up. And I happened to be on there one day, two days opened up. And so I just snatched them. (laughs) I got them right away. And then we built the rest of our trip around those two dates. Um, So the East side is very limited for Glacier. There's only three RV parks that we saw. I'm not sure if there's a few other options, but you are on the Blackfeet Reservation. So you're surrounded by reservation land. And then a little bit further than that, you get into a few towns in Montana. Um, But these are not very large towns. I don't even know that they had 
RV parks at like Cutbank and Shelby and some of these other cities, which are still, you know, an hour away from Glacier National Park. So you don't want to stay that far. You really want to stay right there by that entrance on the St. Mary's side. And from what we could see, there's only three options. We really liked the KOA that was there. When we head back, we'll for sure stay there again. It had a bunch of the amenities that you would expect with a KOA. So things like um, a swimming pool, they had different games and things set up. Of course, you're having a picnic table at your site and uh, them. I don't think they actually had fire pits. We used our little propane guy that we bring around with us, but you're also in mountain areas. So sometimes the fire restrictions are pretty strict there. And if you have tried to go to Glacier in a summer, you probably know that there's lots of fires. In fact, this is canceled entire people's trips. So I don't think that they actually had fire pits at the sites and probably wouldn't, wouldn't expect it because they don't want people starting fires. Um, but they had a lot of the other features you'd want. It was a very nice KOA. Of course, it's only open for, you know, four months of the year. The owner was telling me that it gets down to negative 30. He said for most of the month, one of the months of the winter, it gets down to negative 30 on a daily basis. So it's not accessible and it's not somewhere you can go travel during those really cold months. And because of that, because they are only open for three to four months of the year, it is kind of one of the pricier KOAs. We paid $94 a night for a back-end site. It um, it ended up being long enough for our RV. We have a 37-foot uh, Super C and we were fine to park there and even had room for the Jeep. We really loved the site because we were right in front. We could see a lot of the traffic of people checking in, but that didn't bother us. We had this amazing view. We had a big grass area where the kids could play soccer. And then we had this amazing view of St. Mary's Lake and the majestic peaks in the background. So phenomenal. We just loved it. And it was a great way to introduce us to Glacier and get us really excited for the next day when we were heading into the park. Now the west side of Glacier National Park has a lot more options. You're more tied into these larger towns. So you have Whitefish, I think it was called Whitefish, and then you have um, Columbia. You have a bunch of the other towns that are there that are large cities. And so you end up having a bunch of different options available. A lot of RV parks, a lot of hotels, grocery stores, um, gas stations. That's the other thing on the east side. There is no diesel once you are getting there by the park. So if you're going to further head on to Canada, be sure you have filled up in Shelby or Cutbank in Montana before you try to head over to the park and if you're heading up to Canada next. So um, that was a fact that we learned and hope and luckily not the hard way but be sure to know about that so on the west side lots of options but i couldn't say strongly enough to stay at the west glacier koa it is phenomenal this is the nicest koa we have ever stayed at it's a koa resort so i believe there's only seven koa resorts in the country so that's how elite and prestige it is to be at a koa resort they are above and beyond anything you've experienced. I actually said that this is my second favorite resort I've been to, second only to Fort Wilderness, of course. My husband actually picked it as his first, as his best and favorite, but he's not a huge Disney fan, so I guess you've got that um, going against it. So this KOA, though, phenomenal. They have Let's see, they had two pools. One was an adult pool, one was just for kids. They had two hot tubs. That was in the adult pool area. 
there's a cafe, there's an ice cream store, there's a place for kind of like breakfast and dinner. They have entertainment most every night of some sort or programs that are going on. There's beautiful landscaping throughout the park, areas to walk. There's nature paths where you can go on walks or runs. They have like areas set up for soccer fields and um, being able to play soccer or basketball. There's a playground. I mean, they just had everything. They even had live entertainment and music set up on a few of the nights when we were there. So really amazing. This KOA um, had... Let's see, we were able to get into this KOA, but I had to book two separate reservations because I couldn't get two nights in a row. It was around the 4th of July though, so it's pretty amazing I even got two separate reservations. And I did mention in the comments that I really wanted to be at the same site if they ever had that open up. And within the five weeks from when we booked it till our reservation happened, they gave me a call and said something opened up. They could put us in the same site and we were able to stay at the same site, which gave us the flexibility to explore the park instead of having to deal with moving the rig in the middle of the day, um, which is never fun to have to do that. So really amazing that they managed to do that. We've asked a few times in the comments at a KOA to try to combine us if I had to book two separate reservations. And so far, every time it's worked out and people have been really nice about helping us with that and making sure that that worked. It was uh, one of the more expensive places we've stayed. It was $130 per night. So that's including all the tax and stuff. And that was for a deluxe patio pull through. So we had a, a big pull through site with a picnic table, fire bench, and um, so like a fire pit and then benches that were around it. It's a beautiful site. Actually, both of these for the East Glacier and the West Glacier KOA, I have videos on um, our YouTube channel. So if you just search East Glacier KOA and you search West Glacier KOA on YouTube, you should find my videos, the RV homeschool videos, and you can see the video of those campsites and what it looks like and the different features at the parks. So really great to see. Also, this was also really close to the entrance for the West Glacier side. Um, probably five minute drive to get into the park, which is just nothing. So both of the KOAs are really close to the entrance to the national park on the East and West side respectively. So really highly recommend both of those KOAs. We will definitely be staying there again when we head back to Glacier. So some of the tips and tricks and kind of advice, just a few general things, just kind of four tips I've got. First, start your day early. Okay, so get the kids up, make them some nice warm breakfast, even if it's dark outside. Although it probably won't be dark because of course in the summer there, it's only dark for like five hours. So it was really hard to get the kids to bed because they wanted to stay up till 11. It was still light, but, and then the, the sun's coming up at like five. So it was, that was uh, interesting for us. We're not used to that, but start your day early because you are going to see the best wildlife early in the morning when it's still cool and they're heading down to the water and they're trying to get some food and and get ready and then they're going to they're going to hide away for the rest of the day and it's going to be a lot harder to see that wildlife. So you'll see the best wildlife. There's fewer people that early in the morning, so you're likely to be able to be in your vehicle and just pull over and say I want to take a picture of this or I want to see this site and the little pull-offs that they have along the road for the going to the sun road, they have a couple pull-offs and we were able to take advantage of each of the ones that we wanted to stop at. But that's because it was so early that we were getting our starts and being able to just pull over and enjoy some of the views. 
So that's another advantage. And then you can get parking at the main places where the trailheads are or the visitor centers. And later in the day, there's, there's just not going to be parking. That's going to fill up. So that was my first tip. Start your day early. You can always go back and nap in the afternoon and then go back in the evening. There's different evening programs. You're likely to see the animals as it's getting to be nighttime too. That's the other time that they tend to be more active. So start your day early. Second thing is to bring the proper gear. So like I said, we were hiking to Hidden Lake. It was ice most of the way and people are trying to wear flip-flops so they're not getting very far. We had on hiking boots, we had hiking sticks, which um, I kind of thought were ridiculous that we packed these hiking sticks, but my husband insisted and we used them. So I was so glad that he had them. He had even brought crampons because he's really smart like that. And he wasn't sliding around in the ice like everybody else was. In fact, at one point, Elsa, our six-year-old, slid and was falling down the side of the mountain. Now, fortunately, she ran into her dad, and he was set put because he had his crampons on, and he did not fall down the mountain, and she luckily did not start sliding down the mountain as well. That would have um, caused for quite the bit of injury. She would have she would have lived through that, but she would have been pretty hurt. So bring the proper gear. Bring some extra socks in case the socks get wet because, you know, kids in wet socks don't go well together. And bring raincoats. A lot of rain up there. It pretty much rained every afternoon that we were there. Now, we had done most of our hiking and exploring during the day, earlier in the day. And so by the afternoon, we were kind of back in the rig or taking a break. And so it didn't matter so much. Those little storm showers that move into the mountains for maybe 20, 30 minutes in the afternoons. But bring your raincoats um, because that could happen. Third tip is to have your bear spray. We saw a grizzly. I don't think it's super common to get to go there and see a grizzly, but um, we did see a grizzly and boy, they're big and they can move 35 miles per hour. So if you can't run that fast, which I don't think you can, then you better have some bear spray. Um, and then the fourth tip is get there, get there, get there. They say that the glaciers are going to be melted in 20 years. That's just part of the way that the warming is happening. And when they've looked at the history and the pattern of how the glaciers are kind of dissolving and going away in the last hundred years, that's their estimates is that there will be no more glaciers within 20 years. So get there, put it on your schedule, make sure that you're adding this to one of your summer vacations and activities because they will be gone. And you'll probably be able to head up to Canada and they have amazing glacier lakes up there. And we'll do a whole different podcast about that and traveling to Canada. But if you wanna see it in the US, this is a great place to do it. Between here and Cascades, these that's where your glaciers are at. So. Please get there, add it to your list. You will not regret it. So hopefully you have found this useful and there's been some information that will make your trip go a little bit smoother and you'll know some of the points that you want to check out and things that you want to do. And please feel free to follow us, subscribe to us. We are on Instagram most frequently and Facebook at RV Homeschool. And we have our YouTube channel where we try to have videos of different places and campgrounds across the country. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on the trails.